1: This is Sex and Science Hour with Brian Sovereign and Dr. Stephanie Murphy. Get your freak on.
0: Happy Friday night. Welcome to Sex and Science Hour. I had a story on my show prep called Sex Educator Can't Say Clitoris. And I mentioned it to Brian before the show. (laughs) And he goes, well, what did he do? Say clitoris? And I said, no, 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 Brian. It wasn't like that. He wasn't allowed to say clitoris or she. I don't right. really know the gender or they.
1: <laughs> right.
0: So anyway, uh, we're going to talk. We're going to just jump right into that. This sex educator was not allowed to say clitoris in the classroom. Others were barred from using the words abortion, LGBTQ, and using a diagram of female anatomy by Diana Speckler. com. sounds about right. Sex ed in many parts of America is about as progressive as a chastity belt. Of the 24 states plus the District of Columbia that mandate sex education, only 13 require that the instruction be medically accurate. Oh, my God. Only 18 states and the District of Columbia require that students receive information about contraception. The federal government funnels millions of dollars into abstinence-only education programs every year. The 2018 budget that Trump proposed in May would triple that number, bringing it to $277 million. None of this money, mind you, supports teaching kids how condoms work or what consent means or that sex is supposed to feel good or how to access safe abortion services or any other practical advice they're going to need when, not if, they start getting it on. Now, I mean, just to dump into that first paragraph— you know it's just hard to get behind sex education being a government program done in government schools because whenever that happens you're going to it's going to be subject to the whims of democracies so especially in conservative communities or whatever they're not going to care about teaching the kids that sex is supposed to feel good right? right and should it should that really be a school's job to teach you about sex i don't really think it should Um, now not every parent is going to teach their kids about sex, but that doesn't mean that they shouldn't. Right. Yeah. I at least give them a book or something. Right. I mean, I, I sort of feel like it is something that
1: you want to, you want to discuss like in a private nature, especially first time around.
0: Oh yeah. I mean, everybody has an awkward story of having sex at in a classroom. And well, looking right, because around. There's and everybody around and you're like, uh whoa, wait a minute, you know? In my school, I think I've told this story on the show before, but in my school, when I was having sex ed class in high school, if you wanted to see a demonstration of how to put a condom on, you had to go into the nurse's private office and she would show you on a banana. Now, of course, nobody did that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like she wasn't allowed to do it in front of the classroom, I guess, because the the funding prohibited it or there was like a political issue all they did was scare the shit out of us with like horrifying pictures of disease genitalia and yeah. like a baby like steamrolling through a woman's puss and it made me never want to have sex ever <laughs> it, yeah I guess it kind of worked but it also didn't work in the in that it scared the shit out of me so much that I had trouble actually like enjoying sex right for years
1: yeah absolutely i mean let's be clear first off though even in health class in like sixth grade that is definitely not the first time that especially today that kids learn about sex no, i mean you oh find no. out about that way beforehand
0: i think in it sixth is, grade they don't even teach you about sex they teach you about periods and you should wear deodorant kid because you're uh, starting to stink
1: well in new york they taught me about you know that they, they did talk about sex and everything oh. okay but in any case you know, it's still a shock when you're starting to talk about this and you're in this very like the first time it's really, really open and you're in this classroom with 20, 26 kids or however, you know, depending upon the school. Uh, that's pretty crazy. And the other thing is, is that the first time you kind of officially learn about it, maybe it might be the first time that you learn about it from some kind of authority figure of some sort, an adult of some kind, uh, you know, in the same breath, you start learning about STIs.
0: And right. yeah, I as mean, if that's part and parcel of the whole package, right? And i and it's incredibly important to to learn. You about... don't learn really how to prevent them. You you learn you don't learn that they're yes, they are a thing you have to know about if you're going to be having sex. But there are totally reasonable ways to like protect yourself against them and lessen the risk. Right. You learn that no, if you have sex, this is going to happen to your junk. Yeah, and then they put a slideshow on of like a the worst case of genital herpes and warts and syphilis and gonorrhea <laughs> that you've ever seen
1: yeah i i mean and maybe we're getting lost in the weeds on what this,
0: yeah maybe we're
1: getting lost in the weeds on what the story's about but uh regardless
0: it's, it's a, a sad state of affairs in government school sex education yeah
1: because i mean a lot of really bad things happen i mean and because of the nature of the subject a lot of people don't care to talk about like like i remember my teacher talked about abstinence um like and and judgmentally meaning she said no this is how you do it this is how you keep uh, you, you know, this, is, how this you, is the only way. Yeah, this is the yeah. way. And nobody would. She should have been reported for that. Like, <laughs> like, what the fuck are you? To, you know, who are you? To Nobody's going to listen. Wants, right. Yeah. Well, right. Like kids I mean, listen. yeah, that's the other thing, too. But yeah, I mean, it is a pretty sad state of affairs. How yeah. sex gets taught and talked about in school and even beyond.
0: I mean, it's totally a political issue. It's not empirical at all, because there's been tons of studies done on this. Right. And all the studies show that abstinence only education doesn't stop adolescents or teens from having sex with each other right? and also abstinence only education and sex ed that doesn't teach about birth control and like you know stis and how to use condoms and stuff like that the kids are more likely to have teen pregnancy and get stis because they don't know what the fuck they're doing yeah so i mean it's like give them the information and let them be the judge it's their choice you know like yeah you know if we got the chance to approve of all the sexual choices everybody else around us made regardless of their age we probably wouldn't approve half of them we'd be like oh no you don't want to sleep with them right yeah (laughs) and everybody wants to do that with with kids and adolescents like oh no you you know they want to control them but you can't control their behavior and if you try they're just going to rebel and it doesn't it backfires anyway um the point i think one of the points here is that Pleasure-focused sex education is like an oxymoron in the United States. Like, yes. It just doesn't happen, at least in public schools. And so how do you get pleasure-focused sex education? Well, from the Internet. But when we were growing up, a lot of us didn't have the Internet, you know, if right? we're old enough. So what were you supposed to do then? I guess look at contraband books or something like that or hope that your parents were progressive. Um, but, yeah, you certainly don't get it in school. And it looks like not much has changed in that department um i guess there was some schools where okay um in california a school administrator told a sex educator named prajana uh, sorry charis denison uh not to use the word clitoris like just don't say the word okay which okay that's part of some people's bodies, and it makes sense to know what it is, right? Yeah. But it's such a political body part because, like, really the only function of it is for pleasure. It's just kind of a nice bundle of nerves that feels good if you touch it, right? At least if you touch it in a good way um, and consensually. She asked for clarification and was told that the word was irrelevant to the larger and more, more essential message of sex education. Oh, my God when dennison pushed a what little, is that like what is that it was irrelevant mean? yeah the clit it's just irrelevant now ask any woman the clit is not irrelevant <laughs> no quite the opposite when dennison pushed back a little she was met with a warning the school was quote strongly advising her not to use this word dennison asked rhetorically would a visiting scientist or historian ever be told what language they could use when teaching in his or her area of expertise up oh, free speech hey all you people <laughs> out there who care about Free speech, the uh-huh. buzzword, where where you hear a lot of people these days making arguments that they should be, because of free speech, Nazis should be allowed to talk about Nazi stuff and white supremacists and white nationalists should be able to speak their mind because free speech. Well, guess what? Teachers should be able to say clitoris. <laughs> free speech. <laughs> uh, I bet they don't like that. Yeah, another one um, in Nebraska. Oh, that's a little more conservative than California, I would guess, but anything could be possible. Kristen Lilla was teaching high school students in Omaha public school system when she was told by her curriculum teacher that she couldn't say LGBTQ. We just can't talk about that, the teacher said. Wow. Lilla argued that she had to. She couldn't just leave it out, leaving out an entire population. The teacher was worried about getting in trouble. She told Lilla that if she, the teacher, left the room, Lilla could th- then talk about it. Oh my God, this is pretty draconian. All right, so moral of the story: you know, if you if you have teenagers and you want them to get an actual good sex education, give them the Good Vibrations Guide to Sex or another book like that. There you I'll go. Thank you later. Hey, everybody. Um, speaking of sex books. I want to let everybody know that we are still on for the PaleoErotica Project. Yes, this what is, is happening. Yeah, what is that? It's an anthology that Brian and I are working on. About ancient humans and homnids and their sex lives. <laughs> so if you have a stor- short story that you want to submit that you think would go, send it to us. 1,000 to 17,000 words is the length guideline, and we're looking for submissions by November 30th. If you have an idea and you want to talk it over, just email us or get in touch with us. Show at sexandsciencehour.com or message us on Facebook through the Sex and Science Hour podcast community. Now back to the show hoo! We have already got some good submissions for the yes. erotica anthology, and we are really looking forward to reading yours. So, definitely, if you want to participate, get on that shit. All right, Brian, you're going to love this story. I haven't told you about this one yet. I put it in the show prep as WWAHD. What would the average human do? Something stupid. They are... Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's the only guarantee. Brian, I love you. Uh, (laughs) uh, They are trying... They are trying to build an AI that integrates the moral choices of the average person and, and does that, making sort of a democratic approach to morality, if you will, when robots are forced to make ethical choices, as they inevitably will be as more robots come into our world. How should they choose... Well, in this case, uh, somebody wants to make a system where they're following basically the wisdom or the stupidity of the crowd. Uh, this is from com, sent in by Cognitive Dissident and uh, written by John Christian. Last year, researchers at MIT set up a curious website called The Moral Machine, and they actually link to it. You can check it out if you want to. It's moralmachine.mit.edu which peppered visitors with casually gruesome questions about what an autonomous vehicle should do if its brakes failed as it sped toward pedestrians in a crosswalk. Whether it should mow down three joggers to spare two children, for instance. Or whether it should veer into a concrete barrier to save a pedestrian who is elderly, or pregnant, or homeless, or a criminal. In each grisly permutation, the Moral Machine invited visitors to cast a vote about who the machine should kill. In a morbid riff on the trolley problem, a thought experiment that forces participants to choose between letting a runaway train kill five people or diverting its path to kill one person who otherwise wouldn't die. Uh, The moral machine gave the riddle a contemporary twist that got picked up by The New York Times, The Guardian, Scientific American, and eventually collected some 18 million votes from 1.3 million would-be executioners. That unique cache of data about the ethical gut feelings of random people on the internet intrigued Ariel Prosakia, an assistant professor in the computer science department at Carnegie Mellon University, and he struck up a partnership with Ayad Rashwan, or Rawan, one of the MIT researchers behind the Moral Machine, as well as a team of other scientists at both institutions. Together, they created an artificial intelligence described in a new paper Designed to evaluate situations in which an autonomous car needs to kill someone, and to choose the same victim as the average moral machine voter. Brian, what do you? You're making a face. What do you think of this already? So you're shaking your head, and I'm shaking my head too. Yeah, I have a right, feeling well, we're going to agree. I have a couple points, but one of them is is that look, this
1: doesn't. This technology doesn't have to exist. That solves the problem. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, we have a trolley problem. No, you really don't. You just get rid of the fucking trolley because otherwise humans can just yeah,
0: drive Yeah, I mean, a, a machine is, like, amoral, you know? It's just like an AI can't be racist or sexist or whatever. It's like it, it garbage in, garbage out. It just takes the input from the humans, and the humans are the ones making moral decisions. Machines don't have free will. They're programmed to do certain things. It's just they're trying to create a program that reflects the moral... I guess, or pseudo moral (laughs) decisions of the average Joe out there. Well, but they said, go ahead. They said, we're not saying the system is ready for deployment, but it's a proof of concept showing that democracy can help address the grand challenge of ethical decision making in AI. It doesn't make the AI ethical. It makes the AI ethical or unethical in the same way that large numbers of people are ethical or unethical.
1: Hmm. Well, OK, uh, th- I mean, this h- here's your problem is that, like, really, at the end of the day, morality doesn't actually exist. Mm, tell you, me more about that. Well, I mean, measure it like like show me. Show me what this this objective thing known as morality is. Well, it's a is.
0: concept, but that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Nah, I I would argue. I mean,
1: like they're revealing the hand just in the way that they set this up, right? wasn't democratic that everybody kind of had to vote. Mm -hmm. Hold on. If morality is just a subjective thing that that you program into AI, it shouldn't be up to debate or vote. Mm. It should just be, okay, this is
0: right, this is wrong. Yeah. But that's not the situation here. Well, they're taking a relativistic view of morality. I wouldn't say that means that morality is relative. I think there's some objective morality. There's certain things that are right and wrong. I think there's objective morality that... I mean, morality
1: is a, a, a funny term, but for for conventionalism, I'll say there's objective mora- morality, but that objective morality is completely, I think, is based upon so much of human biology, not even not of psychology of human biology that there's no way you're going to get that into an A.I. I mean, like, like, I, I just I
0: don't you mean like there's a basis of empathy that goes in yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. Like part of the reason we don't just go around killing people is because we wouldn't like it if that happened to us.
1: Right. I mean, there's a reason that uh, that everybody's or well, not everybody, but that most people, okay, that haven't been too screwed up, look at a baby and go, oh, I mean, you know, or whatever. I mean, like it just (laughs) happens. But these are things. This is stuff that you don't even think about. This is just part of it's, it's part of your evolution. And how exactly do you translate that to activate properly at all
0: times with yeah. any
1: kind of AI I mean well regardless... there's a,
0: there's another problem too it's sure. like
1: the,
0: some of the questions they posed were like okay you have a choice between mowing down three pedestrians or a criminal three pedestrians or a homeless person three pedestrians or a pregnant woman and all of these have huge problems exactly because, because how is the AI going to identify who's a, a well pregnant is pregnant is hard enough right especially right. if they're not like visibly pregnant <laughs> or could it be fooled and like hey you you go around wearing a belly you're like hey i'm pregnant don't mow me down and crosswalk thanks very much <laughs> how's it going to tell if somebody's homeless or a criminal well, right
1: the criminal part's easy because it has access to a data oh, facial people. recognition yeah, yeah right, i suppose but, but what
0: about the wrongly accused well well that's it you don't make mistakes uh, in an ai society son yeah.
1: <laughs> it's not even wrong wrong right but i mean it's even more than wrong wrongly accused um
0: who decides who's a criminal? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what know? if the laws stink? In Russia. are gay- we all criminals yeah. in some ways? Have you ever downloaded a torrent file? <laughs> sure. I <laughs> mean, it, right. In, in Russia, if you're gay, you're a criminal. Uh, you know, so. Yep, that's right. You were a criminal if you helped a slave escaped in 1860-whatever, you know, yeah, in America. Yeah, ex- exactly. So
1: th- there's so many real problems with this, and it's not addressing the very nature of reality. And that's, in my opinion, what makes it—I uh, uh, I don't, I don't want to say terrifying. I'm not, like, afraid, but— That makes it a dumb idea, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that, that you can't, and, and, and it comes from the fact that these people, I mean, this is, this is such, I think is such a huge point that in Silicon Valley, and I use that term in an abstract sense. Okay. In Silicon Valley. You have so many people who think because they can code software and they can code programs that somehow the whole universe works on code and that humans work just like <laughs> code and that everything's fucking yeah. code and, and they w-
0: want to be controlling the code.
1: Well, right, but I mean once I and, and I mean this is their this is their mindset. I've talked to these people. Oh yeah, Even I've people heard the like same in the blockchain thing. space, absolutely, where, else,
0: where they're like, oh yeah, well I you understand don't have to look too hard to find that. Right, I understand
1: code. So I understand the very nature of the universe. Motherfucker, no, you do not. I mean, you
0: just don't. Yeah. Uh it used to be called philosophy. Right, right. Computer I mean, sciences and everything. Yeah, this is this is bad. Yeah. Um now here's an interesting uh twist on everything. Uh the people who wrote this uh, this AI and this program, they had done some previous research or Pro- Prosakia's collaborator had done some previous research. That's that showed that although most people approve of self-driving cars that will sacrifice their own occupants to save other people, they themselves would not like to ride in those cars. So basically they say (laughs) they say, yeah, yeah, it's good for self-driving cars to sacrifice the the rider Mm -hmm. to save more people who are on the outside or whatever. But I wouldn't want to ride in one myself. Yeah. (laughs) How hypocritical is that? These as the, long as it's someone else. It's like the me first, you know, you first problem. Yeah, these
1: these are the things that you're just never going to program into an AI. And so don't fucking turn over the
0: controls to them. Yeah. You know? I think most people are really pragmatic like that. They're just like, whatever benefits me the most is what I want. I don't really care about whether it's right or wrong. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I think most people when, when you know... Uh, when faced with
1: a couple of check boxes, mm-hmm. they pick one, and they just don't—they don't care. That they
0: pick much. one that benefits them the most, or that they think will benefit e- yeah, them the there's, most. There's yeah, there's there's not a
1: whole lot of thought. Well, what if you know? I mean, like that—that that sort of thing just doesn't happen. I mean, just just like when people vote, so many people still just vote down party line, you mm-hmm. know, which. You know, if, if you think about it, I mean, well, voting doesn't make sense. But if you really think about it, I mean, like, that doesn't make any sense to do that. Mm-hmm. It's like, wait a minute, shouldn't we judge these people based upon their individual merits, not based <laughs> upon the letter in
0: front of their? Yeah, that's pretty rare. Yeah. So so all of who this has, has, has real problems. Who wants to take problems. the time to do that? Well, right. I mean, and I, I actually I, I, agree with that. I mean yeah, it's I it is a them. stupid thing to vote, to especially to take the time to to get to know all the candidates individually and when you only get to cast one ballot that really doesn't make a dimes worth of difference. Yeah. Especially in national elections. I mean maybe the more lo- local you go, the the greater the chance that your one vote could matter more, but still it's like it's kind of a fool I, I don't mean to insult people who really enjoy participating in politics or whatever, but I just think it's kind of a fool's endeavor to spend so much of your life worrying about it and getting to know all these candidates and issues when really, in the end, all you can do is have your one vote and it's really not going to make a difference. Right. Anyway, um, (laughs) so that's why I don't vote. (laughs) We're going to get some hate mail for that. Anyway, um, there's another criticism of these moral machines, too, which is that the problems where a car would have to crash... To, to sacrifice the rider to save other people are so rare compared to other ethical dilemmas like choosing to drive more slowly on the highway to so- save on the carbon footprint. Right. So, I mean, right, they're saying there's bigger problems right there in front of your face that are going to be way more common than everybody's going to have to deal with. So why are you bothering with this silly democratic exercise? Yeah. Hey, this is Sex and Science Hour, but you know what? Brian also does a podcast, and he works really hard, so I want to give him some credit for that. Brian's podcast is called Sovereign Tech, and uh, if you don't listen to it, I would recommend checking it out. He talks about science and technology like we talked about in the last segment and um the stupidity of ai is another frequent topic oh it comes
1: up all the time
0: (laughs) where can people listen to your show brian just go to sovryntech.com that'll get you your hookup and i have known to be make uh i have known to make been known to make a guest appearance 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 or two two. thank you you knew what i was trying to say (laughs) sovereign now back to the show this is Sex and Science Hour. Welcome back. Brian, do slutty women end up single and alone? I want to say something like, not if I have
1: anything to say about it. Yeah, exactly. It. <laughs> I th- that's what I thought you were going to say. But I didn't want to sound like insensitive or something. This
0: article was making the rounds on the internet this week, and it was sent in to us by a couple of so our So is listeners. the article slutty? Uh, if the, it's making the rounds. The art- yeah. Yes, the article has been very <laughs> That's timeless. a slutty article. Yeah, bad article. Filthy. Mm. All right. Um, Somebody spank it. Yeah, oh. then share, share the link. <laughs> uh, this is from Metro.co.uk by Rebecca Reed. Slutty women don't end up single and alone, actually. I, she <laughs> says- Truly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, that sound people who are listening in their cars are just like, ugh, Brian, why, <laughs> why did you just do that? girl? <laughs> I am a respectable married lady, says Rebecca. And before I was a respectable married lady, I was a bit of a slut. (laughs) The use of the word slut is a controversial one. Obviously, we don't support the use of language that judges a woman who has sex. It's a ridiculous thing to do. But in this context, the word slut feels important, kind of like a reclaiming. After decades of being called a slut, being told not to be a slut, being warned about the dangers of being a slut, we are finally taking the word back. Uh, let's just stop there. I, I'm still a little reluctant to take the word back. Um, I don't really like the word slut. We've talked about this. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really like it as like a political term and like trying to reclaim it and all that. It's like, okay, well, I've, I've sort of, I mean, I guess I'm okay with reclaiming like the word queer, but that's been like a really successful campaign. I don't know how successful it's been to reclaim the word slut.
1: Well, just saying.
0: I don't know, it just doesn't feel completely comfortable to me. Maybe it's internalized misogyny. I don't I, know. I don't know. I like the idea of of terms
1: getting turned into positives. You know, there there are so few positive adjectives in the English language, particularly. Like there, there's there's incredibly few compared to the amount of negative ones mm-hmm. um, or just descriptors. And I I think there's I, I think that has an effect. Uh, you know, on the mind a bit because of that. But it's but, still
0: like half and half of like the connotation. Like some people, I mean, I'm sure it depends on context, but there's not, there's still, I feel like there's still not that many people who hear the word slut and they're like, the first thing they think is like, yeah, proud slut, sexually liberated woman.
1: Yeah. But, but one of the things I think that independently, no politics necessary that actually can evolve and change in relatively short periods of time is language. Uh, for example, the word geek. Okay. Mm -hmm. Geek originally meant like a carny. It was a very negative connotation. Carny. Wow. Like, yeah, it it meant, it meant a circus freak. Okay. That that's, that's what, that's what geek originally meant. In fact, there's like Like movies freaks
0: and geeks. No,
1: well, I mean, (laughs) that's when it became positive, but like there's the movie Luther, the geek. Okay. Which, you know, it's an older film. But people are like, well, it doesn't have anything to do with a geek. Why is it called Luther the Geek? Because that's that originally meant it was like a, a pejorative mm-hmm. uh, term towards circus workers. Okay, uh, now you know. And when I grew up in the nineties, geek then it meant like freaks and geeks, where it was a you know it was still a pejorative, but it just meant somebody who was like a nerd, somebody who's right. really into stuff. Now, fuck, there's Geek Magazine. There's there's Think a, Geek, a Geek TV, yeah. Think Geek. I mean, like it, it's it's been totally. It's been totally claimed as absolutely positive and like I mean you know in fact belongs to a subculture that has really taken over the world in a very real sense uh, so I think I think you can reclaim terms now I mean whether or not they should be that's that's a whole other conversation but it can work
0: yeah it can I just don't know if it works in this instance mm-hmm. I don't know that's it the word has a lot of baggage about it you know sure. there's still people who who you know argue over reclaiming the n-word and things like that not that it's really the n-word but it's yeah a right, right version of it but right. yeah so i don't know I'm, not, I'm still like unconvinced on the word slut but anyway uh she's she's really reclaiming it here in this article and she's using it proudly so there okay. you go in an essay i'm fine with it i just don't know if i would do it myself i'm not ready Anyway, in an essay published in the Wall Street Journal last week, a male academic went on at quite some length about how women giving up sex to men too easily was the reason they're ending up unmarried. (laughs) Deep breath. Where to start? In the first instance, language that implies men want sex and women give it up to them is unfair to both genders. Women have sexual desires. Men have emotional needs. It's short-sighted and misinformed to rely on the ancient, outdated trope that women... Men want sex and women don't. And women have it and they're giving it to them, right? Right. But let's go further than that, she says. Let's look at whether this bloke's theory holds any water. Because from where I'm sitting, it's practically the Titanic of theories. I'm married. I got engaged at 24 and married earlier this year at 26. Before I met my husband, I was a bit of a slut. Not as much of a slut as I wish I'd been retrospectively, but certainly not any kind of nun. I had flings, I had one-night stands, I had sex. I went to fetish clubs and sex parties, and I took naked pictures and posted them online. I also specialized in a lovely Catholic school girl tradition of doing everything but, because apparently giving blowjobs doesn't matter because it doesn't add to the total number of people you've slept with. Oh, girl, I know. (laughs) I know, I know, I don't make the rules. I was just stupid enough to abide by them. Anyway, when I met my husband, I really liked him. I wanted him to be my boyfriend, and there were several other women in my friendship group who felt similarly. So I had to make it happen. What did I do? I got slutty. Really, really slutty. (laughs) I wore the most obscene dress you can imagine. It was made of black spandex and power mesh, and it showed about an acre of cleavage. Wow. I flirted. I implied very strongly that I was filthy in bed, and you know what? I had sex. I don't know where the traditional advice that having sex with a man will make him disappear came from, but I can only assume that it singularly applies to people who are extremely bad at sex. In what world would doing something fun and really gratifying with someone make you never want to see them again? Well, I I sort of have an answer to that, but not that I agree with the trope, but... Some people have so much shame from culture and they're told that that's the way it's supposed to be, that it's bad if it, it's a bad sign if a woman sleeps with you too soon and you're supposed to want to chase her and blah, blah, blah. And, mm. and then there's this Mac- Madonna whore thing where you're like, well, a woman who has sex, it might be fun to have sex with her, but she won't be like a good wife and mother because you can't be both at the same time, I guess. It's a really confused Why idea. Why be any? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Why can't we just look at women as individuals? Um But. Yeah, I mean, some people have internalized those ideas so much that they really do fall into that sort of trope. And then there's that popular book, The Rules, out there. Do you remember, Have you ever heard of this book? The Rules. It, it was very popular in the not early 2000s. This isn't it,
1: like a Neil Strauss book. No, it? it's okay. like the
0: opposite of that. It's like rules for women who want to get a man to marry them. And it's basically like, don't like ignore him and don't fuck him and he'll marry you eventually. Oh, okay. Like, don't call him back too soon. Don't appear desperate in any way. Kind of, like, be like, yeah, I could take you or leave you whatever. Always be busy. Always have plans. You know, like, make him work to, like, schedule time with you. It's very elaborate, and it's, like, it's it seems kind of exhausting, but a lot of women swear that they followed them and, you know, got married that way. And I guess that's fine if you want to, like, create this game and have your marriage be the prize, and then that's, like, the end of the flirting and stuff. But I don't really want that, you know? Well,
1: it erases, like, the best foundation you can build upon, which is being a friend first. Right, you know? I think so, yeah. I, I, I mean, that that's... I personally... I mean, whatever. People can do what they do, but just in my own mind, um, I think it's a terrible idea Yeah. to have, like, a long-lasting, like, you know, beautiful relationship.
0: Yeah, starting out with this, like, tease or chase. I don't mm-hmm. know. Like, it, eventually... Maybe after you get married, it's going to get boring. And guess what? You can get divorced. Yeah. It's not like marriage is like forever nowadays. Anyway, the author of this article is following the exact opposite advice. She just she wanted to fuck this guy and she wanted to make him her boyfriend. And she did. All right. And she did. <laughs> So, uh yeah, she said, I don't know where the traditional advice that having sex with a man will make him disappear came from, but I can only assume that it singularly applies to people who are very bad at sex. In what world would doing something fun and gratifying with someone make you never want to see them again? I have no doubt in my mind that the reason my now husband became my then boyfriend was because I decided that I was going to screw his brains out. <laughs> now, while I would never suggest that the only way to hook a man is to have sex with him, I'm saying that's how they did it in the Tudor court, and it's really, really effective. <laughs> This anti-sex narrative that teaches women that they'll die alone if they have sex is complete bollocks. It's being spun by a puritanical agenda which wants you to live a boring, sexless life. Any man who isn't going to call you back or who's going to lose respect for you just because he's already seen you naked is not someone you should be entering in a relationship with. Decent guys, the kind who might be marriage material, do not write women off because they have had sex with them. And yes, she's saying it takes two to tango. Any bloke who thinks, she says, who, I don't say the word bloke, but <laughs> that's how you know. Any bloke who thinks you're less of a candidate for a long-term relationship because both of you did the nasty is a knob. I guess that's bad in British English. Yes. So actually having sex is a perfect filter. You get to have sex, a good thing, and you get an easy litmus test for whether or not the guy you're boning is a decent person. What's not to like? Well... Sex is not always guaranteed to be a good thing. <laughs> yeah, there's not that. a good indicator, you yeah. know. Yeah, and of course you don't want to have like some blow up afterwards. And I mean, I've I've had people, you know, I guess went on a date, fooled around or whatever, and then they lost interest in me. I felt terrible afterwards. You know, it doesn't feel good. Um, I wasn't looking at it as a filter that's showing me who's a decent person. But I I guess if you were looking at it through that lens, it might be a little more bearable. But um, I largely agree with what she's saying, despite those little caveats. Like, yeah, it's true. It takes two to tango. And anybody who loses respect for you because they have sex with you is someone you want to move on from. Like, that's a really weird idea.
1: Yeah, I mean, for a lot of reasons, because it shows how boring the person is because they think sex is something right. they want can someone to not experience. fuck them.
0: OK, that's not me. Bye. <laughs>
1: right. Well, but I mean, but they yeah. and But they think also that that sex with a person, their entire sexuality, I guess, can only be explored like in one instance or something. I mean, I, I don't I don't know. Uh, there's problems with that. But, you know, it's funny. Like I was thinking about it. I remember when saying have sex before marriage was like this you know remarkable idea like oh oh yeah well of course yeah because then you know whether or not they're good and whether it's right. worth marrying you know at least under you know th- those auspices mm-hmm. right? not to say that sex is everything but but that, i just i find it hard to believe that in my lifetime you know and i'm 36 that i can remember when that suddenly became like an idea that people's uh, you know. Yeah, I think some people advice.
0: were skeptical of that conventional advice all along. But yeah, it just became like common practice in our lifetime. Sure. So I'm glad for that. I, and I agree. Like, why would you not want to see if you're sexually compatible with somebody if you're looking for a long term relationship with them? Yeah, Try out the cow before you buy the milk or whatever. <laughs> this is Sex and Science Hour. we More science coming up hour. on the after show. Game
1: over. Play again next week.
0: Hello, <laughs> everyone. Sex and Science Hour After Show. Thank you so much for tuning in. And thank you for your interest in the stuff we talk about on the After Show. After Show is brought to you by Stuff.SexandScienceHour.com. If you hear about any interesting items that we mentioned and you want to get them for yourself, just head on over there, Stuff.SexandScienceHour.com. It'll take you to all the stuff you've heard about there on our show. Anyway, um, thanks. thanks for being here, Brian. What did people get this week? I am well, there dying are actually to know. a lot of purchases this week, okay. and I'm excited about that. Um, one of the things that somebody bought is an item that I've seen before because um, we just recently bought a new mattress this and we is had to true. get a bed frame. And I was shopping for bed frames and I was shopping for headboards and I was looking for real sturdy bed ones. accessories. Yeah, it definitely needs to be sturdy. Yeah. And big too, because we got a cow king. We've yeah, been sleeping California on a queen-size mattress, but we graduated to Cal King. Yeah, got him. Yeah. So, of course, we had to get all new sheets and mattress protector and stuff like that. And we'll let you know the verdict on all that, but we haven't tried it yet because we, we still haven't received all the stuff and set it up and everything. We've right. Been a little busy. But somebody got... I, I, while I was shopping for this bed stuff, I saw an ad for the following item. The Zinus 12-inch gel-infused green tea memory foam mattress. And it has like two thousand reviews, so it must be a popular thing. Um, somebody got it. Wow, Zionist. <laughs> Zionist, close. Oh, oh, oh. very close. Um, it's wondering. infused with green tea extract and castor seed oil to naturally retard odor and bacteria, and it gives you uh, airflow. It's got three point five inches of high density memory foam, and it's only two twenty nine ninety nine. That's amazing. Can you believe that bargain?
1: I think, you know, this direct-to-consumer that the internet allows for, mm-hmm. like, it's remarkable all the different kinds of bed styles, that, that mattress styles mm-hmm. that you can get now. It is. Because you don't have to get them onto a showroom floor, which used to require a lot of A lot of effort, shall we say, on the part of a, you know, of a manufacturer, of a matches manufacturer. But now you can just come up with all these crazy green tea or avocado or what the fuck ever, uh, you know, (laughs) ideas. Or purple. What even is in that? Yeah. Purple drink. I I do think that that's amazing.
0: (laughs) I agree. It must have been the same person who bought uh, the Zinus upholstered button tufted platform bed with footboard. Ooh. Um, so they got not only a mattress but also a bed frame and this is a nice one it's like you know a bed frame with the, with a built-in headboard and it looks like the you know it looks like a couch with the little buttons like the upholstered ah. kind of buttons it looks really nice and that's that was 249 as well so for 500 bucks you can have a complete bed i guess that excludes the sheets but maybe they already have sheets or maybe they got them on com.
1: gotta tell you that kind of headboard looks great on camera
0: yeah, I like the headboard. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Just saying, I I tend to like the big, like kind of gothic ones that are made out of like dark like cher- oh. mahogany or cherry wood, like you, you know, know it, carved in like these weird patterns and like high posters. And I like canopy beds.
1: Yeah, the, you know that's the thing, and and it's a pity because in the average American, newer American home now, it can be even though now design like architectural designs are all about opening up, so maybe now it's a little more possible, but. It's very tough to be able to fit like a king size bed with posts. Doesn't even have to have the canopy. I just love having the posts because then you've got some, you know, there's some structures that you get to uh, play off, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Stuff to grab onto. Yeah, exactly. And you just can't do it. You know, in in the average American home now, it's such a shame. They got us. Yeah. I mean, especially, fuck, if you live in the city, forget about it. Yeah. Uh, Oh, anyway, it's such a missed opportunity.
0: Exactly. Well, somebody was had a drafty fireplace, Uh, or so I'm imagining, because they got a fireplace draft stopper. It's a large plug that goes in the fireplace and it stops air from coming inside, and it stops animals from getting in. Because sometimes, uh, like a squirrel will go down your chimney, or a a bird will fall down in there. I've heard stories of all kinds of animals getting in through the chimney. But if you have one of these plugs, yeah, Santa Claus. I mean. You want to take it out during Christmas, just so Santa can get in. No, but because you want Mrs. Only Claus. To. one day. <laughs> all right, yeah. What? Oh, my God. <laughs> we should do a Christmas anthology next. Ooh, <laughs> man. All those elves. <laughs> anyway, this fireplace draft stopper was 65 bucks. Very, very cool. It looks kind of inflatable. Garnier hair color. Olive oil powered permanent hair color. Platinum black. Very nice. Wow, I like the sound of that. Oh, yeah. You know, I kind of... I've never dyed my hair. I used to use, um, I used to bleach it a little bit um, when I was like 14. But I think I've seen
1: pictures of this.
0: (laughs) A little blonde, right? A little bit, like sun in. Yeah. You remember sun in? Yeah. yeah, yeah, I used to put sun in and lemon juice and all that. Very (laughs) 90s. Yeah, very (laughs) 90s. Uh, But I, you know, recently I've been thinking about it again (gasps) because I do, I, I will admit, I'm starting to get like a few silver hairs. I. I yeah. mean, a very few, like three or four, but still, Seriously. I'm like, oh shit, uh, it's time to start dyeing my hair.
1: My face is next to your face a million times a day. <laughs> I never see these.
0: I, obviously, I'll point them out to you. Well, <laughs> my I eye mean, wh- goes whichever. right
1: to them. I, I'm just, I'm just saying, like, I never notice it, and I get closer to you than anybody alive. Oh, uh, thank and, you, and Brian. So I, I'm not saying they don't exist. I'm just saying, don't worry too much.
0: Yeah, about it. but
1: uh, that said. The idea of you going for some hair coloring is admittedly a very exciting prospect in my mind right
0: now. Yeah, I mean, I think it would be cool. I have great hair, but, um, you know, I don't want to dye it because I, I'm concerned about damage and stuff like that to the hair. Curly hair is very porous, so it, is, it absorbs a lot and it can dry out easily. So Take a little punishment what it can take some punishment no it can't take the punishment it's like it's wimpier than straight hair and (laughs) yeah and it absorbs dyes like differently depending on like where in the hair so it's a little trickier but i was thinking i could use like a henna based kind of dye Uh. so i might be going a little red but i would do like a blonde blonde henna
1: really yeah all right so you're not going for the black
0: i'm not going for anything yet
1: Not not thinking about purple? it. It might
0: be cool to dye it like I darker darker brown too. No, definitely not purple. Okay. I'm not into right. unnatural hair colors. Okay, but what? I I might there's go people
1: that are natural purples.
0: No, no, there's not. <laughs> well, it's not for they me on anyway. Sunny
1: Alpha five anyway. All right.
0: <laughs> Somebody got some more bee pollen. Uh, Twenty bucks for a pack of bee pollen. You love this bee pollen, Brian. Bee pollen granules. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Use them. I eat them every day. This is an interesting item. A 3D printed plumbus what the fuck is a plumbus i have no idea it looks like (laughs) it it says it's an all-purpose home device everyone has a plumbus in their home don't be left out i have no clue what it is it kind of looks like a butt plug but it's 3d printed you wouldn't want to put that in your butt because it's not got smooth edges well, First, they take the dinglebop and then they smooth it out with a bit of shleem. The shleem is then repurposed for laser batch later batches. They take the dinglebop and push it through the crumbo where the fleeb is rubbed against it. It's important that the fleeb is rubbed because the fleeb has all the fleeb juice.
1: This all sounds like anal sex. <laughs> the whole thing, the dinglebop instead of dingleberry.
0: Um, I think it's from like a TV show or something oh, okay. like that, but I don't get the joke. So if you want a plumbus, a 3D printed plumbus, you can go to stuff.sexandsciencehour.com. Wait,
1: is that something from like Rick and Morty?
0: Maybe. I don't know. I haven't watched Rick and Morty in a while. Craftsman oil filter wrench, auto adjustable. Oh, that's handy. So this is one of those wrenches that helps you take the cap, take off your oil filter. I have one of these and it actually helps me get like jars open and stuff. 1819 with Prime Shipping sparks long-lasting bright red hair color red velvet so hmm i wonder if this is the same person that got the uh the black hair dye by it's the red way hair dye real quick
1: uh-huh. i was right it is from rick and morty
0: ah uh, i knew it i was like i
1: like, like wait a minute i've heard of this
0: i knew it cryptonomicon by neil stevenson oh man great book right great
1: book huge book like massive tome. that's the thing it always caught your eye when you looked at it because it's an older book oh yeah i remember seeing that book before i knew what it was about right because it would always catch your eye because the thing was so goddamn thick yeah i mean it is you know there's big books out there battlefield or stuff like that but this book is massive and a wonderful read
0: massive tome javelin 5w20 motor oil i bet that goes with the wrench have you ever, are you a fan of changing your own oil, Brian? Like, That's not a euphemism Like uh, it's in your car. <laughs> I was going to say, my, my
1: dad used to crack the joke that he, his blood was more mobile one than it was uh, actual
0: <laughs> PSI. Well, anyway, never mind. Um, Yeah, actually, I am. I'm I'm a
1: big fan of working on cars in general.
0: Okay. I've tried to change my own oil, and I can do it, but it was more just to prove to my dad that I could do it. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't actually like doing it, so then I would take my car to Jiffy Lube and get the oil change. Right. (laughs) Runners World Race Everything. How to conquer any race at any distance in any environment and have fun doing it. Even a super marathon? I bet they talk about that. Uh, There's also an audiobook of that. By uh, Bart Yasso and Aaron Strout, that you can listen to while you run. That's cool. Yeah, it's a right. It's a running ironic. strategy book. I really like that. Um, Caliban's War, the Expanse, book one of the Expanse books. Oh, we love James the Expanse, Corey. Yes. Uh, when is the Expanse coming back? The show.
1: Uh, I want to say like February. Mm. Yeah. Maybe I can't December. wait that long. I don't know. I, I know love the Expanse. Well, we've got Star Trek Discovery, which is just knocking it oh, out of the
0: park. I look forward to every Sunday. It's the best. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. And new Your enthusiasm is really good too.
1: Yeah, but I'll pay for CBS all Yeah, so Star I'll, Trek I'll, is is my favorite. I'll, I'll pay for Star Trek, that. baby. Yeah.
0: Galaxy S8 plus screen protector full coverage case, scratch resistant for 10.99. Always oh, good. The 4-Hour Body an Uncommon Guide to Rapid Fat Loss, Incredible Sex, and Becoming Superhuman by Tim Ferriss.
1: Yeah, he doesn't have a 4-hour body.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean uh, I don't know. Have you ever read this book? Yeah, I've read actually. The Four Hour Work Week. I have not read The Four Hour Body. Yeah, I've gone through this. Mm-hmm. I mean, and
1: I don't know. There, there's some interesting stuff to take away from it. Sure. It's just a compilation of like a bunch of different ideas.
0: Well, can you summarize any of it? I'm curious. Um,
1: I'm trying to think of like what what kind of stuff that he does put he
0: say off. like do short intense workouts basically. Yeah, I mean yeah. that
1: comes up. He talks about like the seven minute workout, a few other things. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. four hours, seven minutes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Somebody got a, ga- a a case for the Galaxy S8 Plus. This is really cute because it looks like it it it's basically a wallet, and the phone like slips into the wallet. It's like a little clutch purse. Oh, nine ninety nine. Very cute. I uh, really like that for Halloween a 12 pack of skeleton keychains <laughs> all right that is so cute they're like little skeletons like glaring like like the skull's making a face nice <laughs> that's really cute and very Halloweeny uh camouflage super powerful slingshot aluminum alloy uh catapult it's a it's a slingshot oh cool now take out just, some giants I have a story about this. My former boss... I do too.
1: Started with a shepherd named David. And then, <laughs> Sorry. Go, go ahead.
0: Um, my former boss had a bear in his yard, I guess, in New Hampshire, like a black bear. And okay. it was one of those bears that was coming up to his window in his home. Uh-huh. And it was kind of like menacing, like trying to look and see if it could get in, I guess. Yeah. He took a slingshot and he shot it at the bear. <laughs> and I guess I guess the bear never bothered him again. Wow! Yeah, pretty bold, I would say, because you can't kill a bear with a slingshot. It's true. I this mean, is just enough to. He probably didn't want to kill it. He probably just wanted to annoy it enough to get it to go away. But I wouldn't want to piss that bear off if it's like menacing at your window. It's a risky move. Well, That's again, you're saying. not
1: exact You're usually not pissing them off. You're just like. You're instigating their fear reaction, and they're ah uh, yes, and that's, unless
0: they've lost their fear of humans,
1: I don't know. Which I guess can happen, but that's usually a disease, you know that that causes that with
0: or with people animals. feeding them.
1: Yep, that too. Yeah. yeah, that's another thing too. So
0: they might be totally not doing anything wrong. Don't feed the bears. <laughs> don't feed the bears, especially in New Hampshire a c delco professional engine oil filter three ninety seven so for you know for twenty bucks you can have an oil change or you can pay sixty bucks for someone to do it for you. <laughs> Render unto Caesar a novel by Gillian Bradshaw. Hymogenes is a young Greek from Alexandria. Heir to a noble and vibrant society, but when it, but in his youth, Hermogenes and his family were held captive to the whims of the clean, queen Cleopatra, whose machinations spelled doom for an entire nation whose schemes for empire caused the might of Rome to conquer his people. While the citizens of Rome may ape Hellenic ways, the Alexandrian Greeks are viewed as less than human because they're not of Rome. But a man may win the coveted citizenship in more ways than birth on Roman soil— When Hermogenes' father is granted such a boon, it appears as if his family has found favor from the gods, except then a business deal goes sour and Hermogenes' father dies at sea. It is left to Hermogenes to reclaim all monies owed to the family, including a debt from a well-connected Roman consul who has reneged on his obligations and refuses to deal with Greek trash.
1: It actually sounds like a fantastic book
0: yeah this sounds really cool i'll send it to you render under caesar render unto caesar by jillian bradshaw
1: i mean at first i was worried it was a christian title or something.
0: yeah it sounded christian yeah but that know, sounds great it sounds
1: very actually sounds very ben Hur. yeah uh, it's one of my yeah. favorite movies um
0: but hey rock and roll sweet Sun me protective silicone case for uh for mod kit Made specifically for Smock T-Prived 220-watt mod. Soft case to protect your mod in style and prevent scratching and bumps. Now, what kind of mod is this? It, it's not a cell phone case. It's like, I have no idea what this could possibly be Before, Maybe it's answered in the questions. Or maybe not.
1: Mod kits usually, like, that's stuff for robots.
0: Oh, maybe. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Well, it doesn't really say in the... Um, so quality is good, but be prepared, juice will collect inside skin, so you'll have to take it off and wash it out. What? That re- that's from a review called Great, But Will Collect Juice. <laughs> okay. I don't fucking know. Sabrent six-pack of premium three-foot micro USB cables, high-speed USB 2.0 for 8 99 Nice. That's good. If you need cables, go to com. They've got lots of them. Yeah. Love Lakeside Men's Cashmere Feel Winter Solid Color Scarf for 9.90 you could have a white scarf that you could throw over your neck and go I'm the director of this play you better listen to me bitch
1: wow it's almost like you've done that
0: (laughs) yeah i have (laughs) i didn't i didn't get my scarf from stuff.sexandsciencehour.com but i should have
1: i do love a good scarf yeah i'm gonna add this to my
0: collection uh so the person actually got two um i'm trying to see if i can see what color they were uh no just one um okay it was winter white Very cool. Well, that's it for today. Um, If you like any of the items that we talked about and you want to get some for yourself, go to stuff.sexandsciencehour.com and you could be on our after show. And hey, clearly someone's going there and buying stuff because we have an after show to talk about. So we appreciate you. And don't forget, join our Sex and Science Hour podcast community on Facebook if you want to connect with other listeners, send in your show prep, and especially send in your relationship questions to the show because we like those. If you noticed, we didn't have a segment for this week cuz we didn't have any relationship questions so I just <laughs> cut it out. <laughs> I guess probably people wouldn't have noticed unless I said something about it but there you go. Yeah, <laughs> we well, stay will say, tuned till the end to hear about it. We did you and I recorded this week from a hotel room. Oh, that's right. We, yeah, record... we exhausted all our relationship questions this week because we recorded the relationship rhombus for Brian's Patreon only content for Sovereign Tech. Cuz yeah. I
1: Because I, I get relationship questions into Sovereign Tech and I've compile I compile them and if once there's enough of them, usually ends up being like once a month. We just do a show about it, and so. But if you wanted to hear that, you've got to become a patron of Sovereign Tech at SovereignTech.com.
0: Right on. Well, thanks for tuning into the show this week. We'll see you next Friday over at SexAndScienceHour.com. Thank you so much for being our valued listener and guest, and we hope you enjoyed the show. Peace.